Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is digital editor Al Lunsford with Lynx. Before we get into our interview with Rob Collins of King Collins Golf Course Design, you know him from Sweetens Cove, Landman is coming up, and other courses they're working on. He's going to give us an update on all of his projects and his background. But before we do that, we're going to give you our answers to this week's Teed Up Topic of the Week. Quick shout out first to our sponsor this season, Skytrack Golf. Visit their website to learn how you can practice, how you can challenge yourself, and how you can improve your game with their simulators and launch monitors. You can play some of the world's top courses, too, from the comfort of your living room or wherever you decide to set it up. Again, go to their website, skytrackgolf.com. That's skytrack, T-R-A-K, golf.com. Our teed-up topic of the week this week, what is your go-to halfway house order. Now, some of you interpreted this in a way to mean, what am I going to get every single time I visit a halfway house? Some thought, what's the best halfway house order that I've ever had? So we had a variety of answers. Rob took it both ways, and I'm going to take it both ways as well, just to play off his answers. Some of you know that this is a feature we do in our Sunday newsletter. And just a reminder, if you don't get our newsletters, go to our website, linksmagazine.com. There is a link at the top of the page that says, get our newsletters. All you have to do is go to that, enter your email and sign up, and you'll start receiving our weekly newsletters right to your inbox. Uh, We do the teed up topic of the week on Sundays and feature reader answers, have a new question every week, and then we take it back to the podcast to read some of our favorites as well. All right, so some of your reader answers had a lot of good variety here. Everyone's got their own cravings. The way I think about this is I want something that's quick, that's easy, handheld, something I can just take with me and eat on the way to the next tea and just kind of get it over with. Growing up, I always had the same order when I would hit the turn, and the club I grew up playing had a really, really good chicken salad sandwich. So I would get the chicken salad sandwich, toasted white bread, lettuce, tomato, salt and pepper, maybe throw a little hot sauce on there. But again, I just wanted something that I could scarf down really quick. Most of the time, would either have sweet tea or maybe an Arnold Palmer. Nowadays... My halfway house order tends to include an adult beverage, so something light that's not going to drag me down, Mick Ultra maybe, uh, or perhaps a transfusion would be in order. Kind of depends on the crowd I'm playing with too. You know, if you're with the boys, it's probably going to be transfusions. But quick and simple, one of the best halfway house orders that I've ever had, I had at Congaree uh, here in South Carolina. They had... PGA Tournament this past year at Congaree, and their halfway house, it's kind of one of those where you walk in, you can you can pick out, things are just laying out for you to, to take with you, but 
What they're known for is their meat pies. And Congaree, I've had meat pies in Australia. This is as good as I've ever had. Shout out to Congaree there in Ridgeland, South Carolina. Let's get to some of our reader answers. Brad keeps it really simple. Bratwurst chips, peanut M&Ms, and an iced tea. So again, you know, that's depending on how many toppings you're throwing on the bratwurst. Very simple, very easy, delicious, and you can never go wrong with a brat uh, or a quick hot dog at the turn. I know a lot of people have their hot dog rankings and, and think about where they've had the best one since that's just the classic halfway house order. And sometimes I'll mix a dog in there instead of a chicken salad sandwich. John writes a half peanut butter and jelly with bacon on rye bread with a peach iced tea. That reminded me of the peanut butter and bacon sandwich famous at Mountain Lake in Lake Wales, Florida. Their halfway house is at the 11th hole, so not actually after the 9th hole. you got to wait a little bit, but they've been serving it there for more than 30 years. We wrote about the peanut butter and bacon sandwich at Mountain Lake as part of a piece on famous food items served at equally famous courses. You can look that up on our website as well. Starts out with the Burger Dog at Olympic Club to give you kind of an idea of some others that might be on that list, so go check that out. Stuart gets a dog with Lusty Monk Mustard. Had to look that up. Specific brand of mustard that I've never heard of, but to each his own. John answered the question by sharing his favorite halfway house, so not necessarily the order, but he says, Easy. The gold course at Golden Horseshoe in Williamsburg, Virginia. Why there are two third-way houses after every six holes. They have the best big, thick, and juicy hot dogs. If you play it right, you could even make three visits and have three dogs. Rory, not McElroy, but Rory writes first tea. So he's talking about his order before he starts. Maybe he duplicates this at the turn. Who knows? But on the first tea, he has an oatmeal raisin bar with either a Diet Pepsi or a Gatorade if it's really hot out. Peter likes a Diet Dr. Pepper and two hard-boiled eggs. Don't know a ton of halfway houses that have hard-boiled eggs just readily available. Maybe he brings his own. Who knows? Thomas, again, another favorite, is El Tamarindo in Mexico. The best hamburgers and the greatest view ever. And lastly, we'll go with David the Clam Chowder at the halfway house at Caledonia. If you've ever been to Caledonia in Pauly's Island, South Carolina, just south of Myrtle Beach, you know there's a little white shack as the halfway house serving up fresh clam chowder. And as David says, the gentleman that runs it is a local legend. So another one, if you're in the Myrtle Beach area, that's a good one to add to your bucket list. Thanks again for your answers. We love reading them every week. Keep giving them to us. Sign up for our newsletter so you can share your thoughts And with that, let's get to our interview with Rob Collins. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Very happy to be joined today uh, by a special guest uh, coming to us live from Chattanooga in a nice looking chair. It is Rob Collins. 
co-founder of King Collins Golf Course Design. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you listening are familiar with that name and the name Sweeten, Sweeten's Cove Golf Club uh, nearby in Tennessee. And it's a pleasure to have you, Rob. What's going on today? Hey, great, great to be here. No, just kind of, kind of hanging out today. Not, not too much going on. So, just got off the phone with Mark Berger, one of our shapers out at uh, Red Feather. I'm making a trip out there in a few days and just dialing in a few things with him. So, yeah. Well, I look forward to getting into each of those projects. You have a lot going on right now, and. I don't know if you could envision everything that's happened since uh, you opened Sweetens Cove, where I, you know, in pre- preparation for talking to you, I was, I was listening back to some of the stories you've told and being on your your last penny with Sweetens, not knowing if it was going to uh, be all taken away from you overnight to uh, to now being sought after, and and you have multiple multiple projects in the works. But before we get into all of that, for anyone listening who might not know you. Rob, just who are you and who is uh, Tad King and how did you guys uh, meet and get things going? So I'm Rob Collins with uh, King Collins Golf Course Design, uh, founded King Collins along with my partner Tad King in uh, 2010. Tad and I met way back when on a, it was a Gary Player project. I was a design uh, coordinator for Gary Player, which is basically an on-site architect. Uh, back in the mid 2000s and he and I met in 2006 on a project down in Florida and we hit it off immediately and he and I believe that uh, you know there was a space in, in the world of golf course design and construction to kind of meld the two entities and uh, you know have a design build firm and um, and that that was our concept that we we came up with and um, it, it was something that we Coming out of the recession, I, I lost my play, lost my job with the player group, like a lot of people, and uh, but was still passionate and wanted to continue to pursue a career in architecture. And so I called Tad and said, "Hey, man, let's let's do this." And and we did. And we felt like if we could just get one course in the ground during the recession, we could you know prove our model and prove prove what we're capable of. And we had this, uh, you know, somewhat dilapidated. Uh, well very dilapidated country nine hole golf course project fall in our laps we were hired to rebuild the old sequatchie valley golf and country club in south Pittsburgh, tennessee and that eventually became sweetens cove through a long and circuitous route and uh there's a lot of stories there jim hartzell actually uh, just wrote a book on it this year called the secret home of golf which is a an excellent book and we're indebted to Jim for for chronicling the the ups and downs and twists and turns of that story and um but that's that's kind of how we got our start you know I, I refer to Sweetens as a fruit bearing tree um it's it took a long time for the fruit to grow but now that it is it's it's doing a really good job for for me and Tad for sure it's a lot of people's favorite fruit I think now that it has grown and uh <laughs> You know, it's it's gone from an unknown to achieving somewhat of a cult-like status, some would say. Um, but before you even got to that point, I think I saw somewhere you your first interest in getting into this industry was after a trip to St. Andrews. What were you doing before you decided to go into the golf course architecture 
industry? Well, I was, um, I saw St. Andrews when I was 19 years old. I was about to begin my sophomore year in college um, at Swanee and uh, a small liberal arts school, about 45 minutes an hour up the road from Chattanooga. And I um, did, really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I saw the old course and it sparked this interest in my mind that maybe golf course architecture is something I'd be interested in. And, but I just had no idea what path you even pursued to do that. So when I graduated from college, I had a few different jobs. I actually worked as an intern for the Atlanta Hawks and did a few other things and had a job at this advertising agency that I likened to um, Peter's job from the movie office space. If you've ever seen that, it was right. just, I was miserable and uh, I really needed to kind of in my mid twenties kind of refocus and figure out what I was going to do with my life and ended up going back to graduate school and, and uh, went to Mississippi state and got a degree in landscape architecture and then utilized that, that degree to kind of help me get into golf architecture, which was my intention in, in going back for that degree. And then once you get sweetens, what, what's the, the first thing that you do once you see the property and, and think about how you're going to, to change it into what it is ultimately today? Well, we, um, we saw the property in, in Sweden's before when it was Squatchy Valley Golf and Country Club was a, a course that was very important at one time to the, the local community and, and had been a vibrant club. It had been bought and sold a few times and the original owners the thomas family reacquired the old golf course because it meant so much to them and their family and in the community in south pittsburgh and they wanted to do something with it and um because of you know a year or two of neglect it was in really bad shape and um it was dead flat and it was mine and tad's opinion that you know in order to really move the needle and, and have people come to see a isolated rural nine hole golf course that we needed to, to completely rebuild that landscape. And they actually had been in discussions with another guy who would just wanted to rebuild a couple greens and this and that. And they talked to us about doing that. And, you know, as desperate as we were to, to get our first project, we said, you know, no, thanks. I mean, it, our intention, if you guys hire us, will be to come in and, and build the best nine hole golf course in the world. That's going to be our, that's going to be the way we approach this thing. And, but, you know, we don't really want to waste your money in, in, in our, in our time, just messing around with a few bunkers or greens or whatever. And cause it needed a lot more work than that. And so eventually they, uh, you know, came, came to, you know, believe in, in our vision for that. And so um, we got hired and, and that was that. And then, through a long and convoluted set of circumstances, I became one of the owner operators in 2014, which I never in my wildest dreams imagined. So <laughs> that was a whole nother can of worms. I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, it was, yeah, it was just, uh, absolutely insane. It's not something I ever imagined. I mean, the, when the first day they approached me and said, you know, would you be interested in, 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 in taking this over on a lease, I'm like, no way. I mean, I want you guys to run it. And then I thought about it for a little bit and ended up agreeing to do it. And it took about eight months to come to an agreement on the, on the lease package, but, um, which by the time we took the golf course over, it was, 
in really bad shape. About half the greens were dead. And we were, um, you know, had a bunch of weeds in the fairways. And it, it was it was in a tough spot. But we managed to revive it and somehow kept it alive. And now it is what it is today. If you could, and admittedly, I've never been to Sweetens. Um, if you could describe, you know, how you play the course, what kind of obstacles you're going to encounter, uh, and then maybe why you think people are so drawn to it. I know I've, I've heard from all accounts that, you know, maybe how do you play the course isn't exactly the right question um, because there's not one single answer, um, but yeah. it would be how individually do you just choose to play this course because there's a lot of ways to ultimately, you know, get the ball in the hole. Um, so I, maybe I asked you three or four questions in a single one, but, um, you know, why, why do people think that, uh, this is the greatest nine hole course in the world? Well, the, um, you know, the, one of the key answers there is that, um, you know, we tried to build in as, as many, um, sorry, I've got some, some work going on outside. Uh, we got, we tried to build as many shot making options and in, in routes to the hole as possible in building the golf course. And we felt like, you know, if this golf course takes a hole off as a nine hole golf course, that's like an 18 hole course taking three or four holes off. I mean, it just couldn't have a break. Every shot had to matter. Um, and it's a, you know, very democratic form of golf in that there's no, um, you know, as the architect, we're not dictating to you how to play it. It's, it's more of a, you know, figure it out on your own. And it creates a sense of adventure and exploration and, you know, a, a need to kind of play it repeatedly over time to, to learn the tricks and subtleties. And, you know, it's a, it's a quirky golf course. It's got a little bit of, you know, some of the quirky elements of Scottish golf with maybe some Mike Strantz in it and, a lot of Pinehurst number two in it as well. That was a huge inspiration. It's kind of all mixed up in a blender and, you know, spit out on the canvas. And um, I think that the reason people, you know, continue to come back to it and enjoy it so much is, is because it has those elements and it's, it begs you to try different shots and shots you're not necessarily accustomed to. And, and it, it always teaches you something new each time around. There's no, it's never going to play the same from one day to the next. And so it just continues to offer a new challenge each time. And that's, that's ultimately why people want to come play it. For those who have played it and maybe would like to hear your answer. Um, do you have a, a particular either view or, or approach that you, um, I don't want to say shot because like we talked about there, there's so many ways to play it, but, is there a point on the course that you kind of look around and, and are like, this is, this is it. This is the best place on the course to just view everything. I think when you kind of come around and stand on number five green, uh, five greens, a little bit elevated, it's built into a ridge and you can pretty much see every hole in the golf course from there. Um, a lot of open views across the property. You can see across to number nine, which is pretty spectacular. And um, it's just a really, it's right out in the center of the property. It's just a really special place and there's a good energy to it. And it, it really does feel, feel good out there on five. 
couple years down the line, uh, after it had opened, after it had survived, can you tell us a little bit about how someone like Peyton Manning gets involved? <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty amazing story. Um, Patrick, our original GM, and I used to talk about, um, you know, the ideal investor in, in the golf course and the name that we kind of kept coming back to was Peyton Manning. I mean, he's a, you know, um, obviously very well known and loved in Tennessee, um, loves golf, great guy. And, um, it just, it was crazy how it happened, but, um, I got approached by a, a guy named Mark Rivers, who's one of my partners now. And he and Skip Bronson um, were interested in, in investing in the golf course. And um, they were friends with Andy Roddick. And um, we we're, were able to bring him on as a partner. And uh, a guy named Tom Nolan, uh, who's uh, done a lot in, in the golf business and um, had this great group with them. And, um, you know, they said, well, let's, let's see if Peyton might be interested in and, um, you know, they all, they all surprised me one night at dinner and, um, Peyton was, uh, brought on board as, as a new, uh, new partner. And that was just, um, kind of an unbelievable moment in my life and in, in, in the, in the life of Sweetens Cove, um, you know, just so cool to have him on board. And, uh, now Drew Holcomb's a part of it, the, the, the uh, mu musician from Nashville and he's a great guy and a longtime lover of Sweeten. So we've got a amazing group of supporters and, and so forth around us and they put a lot of wind in our sails and um, it's just, it's been a great group and a lot of fun the last few years. Before we move on to the rest of your, your projects and the timeline uh, in the years after that, you got a book now, you've got a bourbon now, <laughs> you're wearing you're wearing the shirts you've got merchandise now did, did you visualize a lot of people talk about visualizing success and what that looks like could you have visualized any of that in 2013 2010 even well um you know the the golf course got abandoned in in august of 2013 and and i knew that it was an incredibly special place tad tad and i both knew that and that all it needed really was to see the light of day and and the big question was was it was anybody ever going to see it and um i committed myself to to fighting tooth and nail to to, to have it see the light of day and i always had a a, a grand vision for it and, and always believed uh strongly in it in its potential um but there's no way to have predicted the circuitous route that it, it took in in the in form i mean you you couldn't have have guessed that but i i did believe that it it had a chance to you know fundamentally um change the way people thought about golf and what was possible in golf um, and I, I felt like that it also, you know, had a chance to be a very successful business, but it just needed the right people around it. And, um, and that's where, you know, get, getting that group in, you know, made, made all the difference in the world to help, help kind of push it over the edge and, um, have these other, other parts of the business, um, come to life. And it's just, it's a, it's a dream come true to have seen it, you know, make it the way it has yeah well i look forward to uh making my pilgrimage for 
um, all intents and purposes sometime in the near future. Since then, you you do have another nine hole course open uh, called Ennis, and you have another few projects in the works. Can you kind of maybe start there? What the the development of that property was like, and and that's open for public play now. And then rolling into the other projects that you currently have in development. Yeah, sure. Uh, Ennis was uh, a really cool project. Um, very, very similar to Sweetens Cove. We got a phone call from a, a developer named Lee Pollock. Um, he was in, in Manhattan and they had a, a property in, in uh, upstate New York that they wanted to refurbish an old kind of dilapidated 18-hole course. And, you know, our charge there was very, you know, they, they wanted something sort of Sweetens-esque, quirky, very bold, et cetera. And so we took a lot of the things that we did at Sweetens and, and applied them there. And um, they, they had their first season under their belt this year, and they developed a hotel and some cabins around it and you know, great dining. And there's a, a gentleman named Tavo Somer who's, who's involved with the project as well. And Tavo's well-known and in New York is kind of a, a tastemaker on, in, you know, food and fashion and, and, you know, combining our, our side on the golf with, with Tabo and Lee's vision, um, I think has produced something really unique and interesting. And, um, I, you know, the feedback's been great on it and people are enjoying that. So I, I definitely would, you know, check that out. We, um, opened up or finished a nine hole golf course in, in Overton park in Memphis, an old, historic golf course, uh, which has been fun fundamental to many people's golf experiences in, in Memphis and, and growing up and how, where they learned to play the game. It's about 2,300 yards, goes through an old growth forest. Uh, one little tidbit of information is that the, the, the oldest old growth forest and or largest old growth forest in an American city is in Memphis, Tennessee. And it's, um, really a beautiful place in a, in a great part of town. And, we had a blast on that. Just absolutely loved um, every minute of that project. And that's going to open up in June. Um, we got to do some different things sort of stylistically um, than we did at Ennis and uh, in Sweetens. Uh, let us spread our wings a little bit creatively and really enjoyed that. And then um, the big one that's opening for us uh, this, this year, probably sometime around Labor Day, is called Landman, L-A-N-D-M-A-N-D out in uh, Homer, Nebraska. And, um, you know, that's the proverbial big one that, that Tad and I fought so long and hard to, to get, you know, the great opportunity on the great piece of land that's in Eastern Nebraska. And uh, we were contacted uh, by a guy named Will Anderson. His family uh, is in the farming business and the word landman is Danish for farmer. Their, um, their family comes from Denmark. And so, um, we and our team uh, transformed this amazingly wild piece of land that's on these bluffs above the Missouri River into a uh, a new 18-hole course, and and I, I really just couldn't be more thrilled and excited about it. We had a fortunate to have some real extremely talented people working with us on that project, and um, we put everything we had into it, and it's um, it's really really special. It's it's you know, I think back to how I felt about Sweetens before it opened and I knew we had something special and that's why I fought so hard to, to, to keep it open. And, 
you know, felt like the ground was shaking under my feet a little bit with that. And with respect to Landman, I feel like I had that same feeling, but multiply it times a thousand. I mean, the place is just, it's going to take the top off the defense for us. I mean, it's a game changer for King Collins. And, and I think that people are going to be just floored by what they see out there. Yeah. You and I talked about a month ago or so um, about Landman. We're going to feature that in our next issue of links. The quote that I pulled and used from you is the overarching scale grandeur, grandeur and ambition of the golf course is there's nothing like it that you'd ever seen. I know I heard you say that with Sweetens, you had to kind of build everything up. With Landmain, you you almost had to build down almost because of how dramatic that land is. Can you just can you describe what you're working with out there? And I don't know, is it describable the, yeah. the amount of land? You know, I can try to put it into words, but basically that's exactly right. It Sweetens, we took this dead flat tabletop parcel and built it up. Um, to, you know, to make it, it was form and function it needed to drain. And so we had to move a lot of dirt to make the drainage work, but then also, um, you know, create interest in shot making and artistry and so forth. So it was a lot of sort of pumping up to build Sweetens at Landman. The natural land was so dramatic that it, it was not golfable terrain, you know, like us, like a Sand Hills is where you can you know, it's just more of a much more gentle walk across the property. We knew that it it presented an incredible opportunity for us, but um, it was a, it was a big job in the sense that a lot of earth needed to be moved. And in our goal in moving this earth was not to do it gratuitously, but to do it in a way that we moved the exact amount of dirt that needed to be moved to make the holes walkable, playable, etc uh in engaging and so uh, but this is a massive landscape with huge landforms i mean it looks like you know there's there's times when you're walking down it and you know you feel like you're walking amongst the dunes at, at valley bunyan or something i mean it's it's just insane how big these landforms are and um, we had to move about two million cubic yards of dirt but you know, thanks to our very talented crew, we were able to, you know, hide, do what's calling hide the fill. And um, once all the natives are grown back in, you know, uh, most people won't be able to tell where that dirt was moved. And, and because the landscape is so wide open and so vast, we had a lot of room to tie our contours back into natural grade. And um, it's, I've just never, I've never seen anything like it, really. It, it's just, uh it's epic. I think that's a word I could use. Yeah. Well, you and I talked that there's one tree on the property, a mulberry yep. tree on the 11th yep. hole. Yep. And, yep. uh, you can, wide open. Yep. you can quite literally see for miles and, and into other States that yep. are bordering, um, from different yep. areas of the course. Um, yep. when is the, uh, projected open date or exact open date? If you have that. We don't have an exact date yet. They're going to see how the, um, you know, the spring progresses. We're keeping our fingers crossed for a, a good, you know, warm spring out there. And um, that, that'll determine a lot. But I think, you know, they're loosely targeting sometime in early September. But uh, there will be a date announced on that this summer once they have a real good handle on it. What else do you have in the works? I know you you mentioned the, the name Red Feather earlier. Is, is there anything else? Is that the only other current project right now? 
right now that that is our um our, our sole focus at the moment we're working uh for a guy named brad rostin out there and uh jj colleen uh the touring pro is involved as well and um we've just had an absolute blast out there really just great guys to work for and um we're we're having a really good time it's basically a 135 acre um square and it's a heavily engineered project and the, the golf course sits in what's called a playa lake and those are very important geographic parts of that landscape where the water drains to these areas and uh, the water then percolates through the the earth into the, the aquifer down below and in order to do grading in these areas you have to be able to maintain a certain level of water storage so um, you know, we had to work very closely with an engineer to make sure that the disturbance on this golf course was not going to affect, you know, these historic uh, drainage patterns. And so the concept we came up with is something that sort of mirrors a a bit of a West Texas landscape that you see just east of east of Lubbock. There's these big washes and gullies and what I call kind of like a mesa. It almost looks like a desert. And so very rugged landscape with barrancas and gullies kind of going through it and winding through the golf course and going to be a lot of really cool native areas and kind of trees and scrubby trees we're going to plant out there and um, just kind of give it this rugged kind of West Texas look to it. Um, and uh, we've got a great superintendent out there, Garrett Holt, who's, who's involved with the project and He's going to help us, you know, really get firm and fast conditions. There's going to be a, a new zoysia called Innovation Zoysia, kind of similar to um, what they have on uh, uh, the Cork Crenshaw project there, um, uh, Trinity Forest. Um, you know, get that really, really low grow, tight, you know, surface in the fairways, fairway cut everywhere, and then on the greens, bent grass. And, and uh, Lubbock's actually at about... 3,000 plus feet elevation so you can really grow bent out there so it's kind of the best of both worlds really firm tight surfaces a lot of ground game um you know and it's it's been fun we got a lot of double greens out there um really close green to tee connections a lot of strategy um just to, i'm every time i go out there i get more and more excited about it our team's really crushing it and and, and looking forward to, to doing that and then Following up behind Red Feather, I can't get too much into it, but we should have some announcements here pretty soon. We've um, received some verbal commitments on uh, on another project or two uh, to begin this year. Um, we only do two projects at a time, so um, one of them's a smaller project, one of them's a quite a, quite a bit larger project, uh, New Eighteen, that we should be starting this year. And then when we finish Red Feather, we've got a um, sort of a verbal on a on a short course, and then uh, got a verbal on a on another uh, eighteen uh, starting next year. And so um, things are really going well for us. We've got we're very very excited about about the direction of where things are going, and we've got some other really exciting proposals out there and, and designs that we're hoping to get approval on. So I you're rolling, be, yeah. Be and yeah, it finally cracked cracked through it. So when you do get downtime, uh, what does a, a day off site look like for you? What do you what do you like to do off the job? 
Well, um, you know, I, I do love playing golf, but I don't play a ton. Um, so I enjoy that when, when those days come around. But really, it's um, if I'm not on a job site, I'm back home with my family, which I love. And uh, I'm going to go pick my daughter up from play practice today and um, drop them off at school today and, you know, doing a few little work things here and there. But um, really, it's kind of all about spending time with them and you know when, when i have the time and or, or when i'm when i'm home so that 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 that's kind of our you know our main focus we're a i got two two girls 12 and 16 and my wife and i we're all you know kind of a, a close tight-knit little family and, and we like to have fun together so we just you know do stuff awesome looking back at some of your designs and and your work the work you've done so far what you want to do uh coming up here in the future uh, are there big influences on your your personal uh philosophy the way you you build certain characteristics of courses that um go back to specific either architects or courses you've played even individual holes that you've played over time that have had a big influence on you yeah i mean you know um the old course is my, my favorite course in the world and um you know, I think a lot of the, the, the classic era uh, sprung out of the lessons of, of the old course and, and in other courses of that nature. And, um, you know, I think there's sort of a, a, some fundamental truisms about strategy and playability and giving people routes and options uh, to the whole that, that we, we cling to. Um, we do like to put our kind of own unique spin on it. Um, and and I think that's that's really important um, for architects to need to you know, up and coming architects, so to speak, to to try to stand out from the pack. And um, and it's important to you know forge and create your own vision. I mean, Mike Strance is a certainly a huge um, influence on me, and uh, you know everyone's influenced by by Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw um, for sure. Um, you know, in the classic era, I'm, I'm a huge fan of McKenzie and his sort of just absolute creativity and, and fearlessness. And um, I think that there's a lot of boldness and, and quirk in the in the classic era that, that we're lacking a lot of times in today's game. I mean, especially, you know, up to 20 years ago or so, I mean, there people weren't taking risks and there were a lot of preconceived notions that architects brought onto the, the site and a lot of <clears throat> self-imposed rules that I think limit creativity. So we try to shun those sorts of things and, you know, keep our mind open and, and find, you know, interesting, unique and creative uh, solutions out there. And um, <clears throat> I think that, you know, if you read the spirit of St. Andrews uh, by McKenzie and look at his drawing of the 14th hole of the old course, I mean, that, that's a really good distillation of, you know, what great golf course architecture is and how there's different routes and people get to choose, uh, you know, the route that they want to take. And there's, there's consequences for each and risks and rewards. And, um, you know, I think that those, those sorts of things are things that are always in the, the forefront of our thinking for sure. Yeah. I know you've talked about building things that are tributes to, to certain people and, but putting your own spin on it and, you know, everything in, in itself is unique that you're building, but is there one, one feature or, or one, something you've built on a course that 
has no influence from anyone other than your own creative mind that it's just like that was really cool what we did with x i mean i would say that um that's a it's two different ways i guess i could answer that i mean on the one hand i would say that 90 percent of what we do is feels purely original right. um and, and and it's just a distillation of these thoughts and things that are kind of rattling around up there that then get put into a blender and kind of spit out onto the onto the canvas um but of course then you could answer another way and say well you know this has got influences from the old course or influence from pinehurst number two or something like that <laughs> but overall i would say that um you know every course is, is we try to make its own unique and individual thing um you know we don't really build tribute halls or anything like that i mean it's more there's things that we find inspiration in and then we look to kind of twist those up and and place them in a new context basically yeah of course i think i was just trying to get you to say milk carton because i love the name of that particular <laughs> we we love we love the we love the milk carton feature at landman which is the, the bunker by 18 which if you go in it you know your face ends up on a milk carton because it's so big and it, you're lost forever <laughs> um the other feature at landman that, that's gotten you know some attention is is the our ode to the sitwell park green mckenzie's famous green um it's sitwell park that um you know this is a very modern version of that uh, you, you don't think you could rebuild that that old you know that original at today's green speeds but um it, it takes the spirit of that and and puts it into a new context which was a lot of fun yeah i think in retrospect i could have asked that question better <laughs> but um i know everything you've built so far i think i'm right is uh public publicly accessible anyone can play why is that so important to you to to build things that anyone can go and see well i mean i think it's um you know it's obviously important for for people to be able to be exposed to um you know these concepts that, that you you may be harder to find on the other side of the ocean or at some of the more famous private clubs and um you know those are things that um you know, I think makes Sweden's Cove special that, you know, anyone can come see, you know, some of the types of features that you'd see on some of the, you know, great golf courses around the world. Um, but that's not to say that, um, you know, of course, we we're, we're the Red Feather Project is a, is a private commission. And, um, and so, um, you know, we're, we're certainly um, enthusiastic about those opportunities as well. But um, when you get to do something that, is um impactful in the public space it, it, it i think it does make a big difference and i think i think that when it's all said and done that landman will be by far the best value in america um for the quality of the golf and, and what the what the rate's going to be i mean it's going to be they're almost going to be inversely correlated um will could probably charge about four or five hundred dollars more around than what he's going to charge and it, but they're not going to do that and um it's going to be very affordable and it's going to be um you know right up there with, with some of the best i think that will be pretty exciting news for a lot of people to hear 
what's the best way to get there um where landman is what's what one thing that's really nice about landman is like unlike a lot of the destination courses you can actually get to it fairly easily i i fly delta so i always flew into omaha and would drive an hour and a half up the road to homer um and i think it's a lovely drive it's a very very easy drive it goes by quickly another option is to fly into sioux city iowa just across the missouri river and you shoot into town over there in, in 15 minutes i mean landman's 15 minutes from the airport at sioux city so the the flight schedule is a little more inconsistent there um you know it's a much smaller airport than omaha but uh, that is an option as well so very good um is there a place that one day some someday down the line that you would like to build in terms of a location, is there somewhere you would like to build a course that is just a, a thing of dreams at this point? Yeah. Um, yeah, there are, there's three, three places that come to mind. Um, two of which are Sandy in the Southeast and another ones overseas, um, along the coast. And, um, we're fortunately have, um, I would say, a advanced proposal at um, th three places, all three of those types of, of places that, that fit that billing. And um, if the right pieces fall into place, I think we're going to kind of get to realize some of our dreams here in the next few years um, about building golf and, and these kind of ideal sandy locations and that that's just makes me incredibly happy okay nice little teaser there let we'll let other people you know connect the dots and see <laughs> that's happens. right yeah. yep so uh, i asked you this before we got started uh, we do a little topic of the week here at links uh in our newsletters and have readers respond with their answers we did a topic recently about halfway house orders uh, either your go-to or, or whatever the best one you've ever had is at a particular place. So I, I lobbed this question at you before we started and gave you basically no time to think about it at all. So, uh, but I, I liked your answer. So what is your, your go-to halfway house order? And I, and also, is there something at Sweetens Cove that, you know, you can only get there, uh, when you, when you come visit? Well, it, it sweetens. Um, we have never had food service, but we're going to introduce uh, some version of that this year. I just got off a, a call recently with the investor group and kind of uh, winnowing down the possibilities with what we're kind of leaning towards right now. And this is uh, Matt Adamski's idea, our GM, is to do a sort of an ode to the Olympic burger dog, but use uh, barbecue instead of, uh, you know, a, a hamburger patty. And I think that'll be really fantastic and people will, will love that um as far as the best one i've ever had i think would be uh on ben's porch at sand hills you know overlooking that that amazing golf course uh in that landscape and, and having a guy in a, a cowboy hat you know <laughs> make this un unbelievable hamburger for you is is pretty sweet that's a that's a lucky one so well it sounds like one day maybe someone will say that about uh, a porch at Landman too, and you get the same kind of view. There's, yeah, there's a great spot up at Landman, right behind uh, Number One T and Eighteen Green. They've they've got a a modest but very cool uh, clubhouse going in, and there's a porch there. And um, I think there will be a lot of a lot of fun had from that vantage point. 
I look forward to seeing it. I look forward to seeing, you know, anything you've done at this point, because I'm just a blank canvas in, in terms of your mind and the, uh, the ground that you've laid across the country. I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and giving us a little bit of your insights. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Ron. That's, well, I'm honored to be asked, and I appreciate you asking. We, it was a lot of fun to talk about. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Keep an eye out for his work and for uh, our highlighting of his work on the website and in the, the next issue of the magazine. Um, until next time, I'm sure we'll catch up again about something new soon. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Thanks, Al.